Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Step Ahead. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our sixth episode. So this is a podcast where you can gain really valuable insight about your future career from industry experts. And today we are interacting with an individual working in a sector that aligns very, very well with the mindset people have associated with Dubai in general. And as we all know, Dubai is is a massively growing hub for almost every sector. But today, particularly, we are focused on diving into the luxury world. So we're really, really excited to be talking with Mohammed Isam today. So he works at L'Oreal as a marketing assistant, specifically for the Giorgio Armani brand. And he is also a student from the American University of Sharjah with a degree in civil engineering. Um, Mohammed Isam is also currently pursuing his master's in marketing at the University of Wollongong, and he has been actively involved in various activities throughout his time in university. Prior to taking up his role in L'Oreal specifically, Isam has worked at multiple other companies in both the fields of marketing and civil engineering. So hello, Isam. Welcome to the podcast and tell us how you're doing today. Hi guys, how are you doing? So, uh, as you guys mentioned already, my name is Muhammad Assam. You guys gave me a very good and solid introduction. Well, yes, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's always uh, hectic every day, to be honest, in uh, the field of marketing in general, not just L'Oreal. And uh, it can be really challenging, of course. That's great. And it's obviously a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Let's get straight into the conversation. So, Isam, can you take us through your time at university and share with us about the kind of experiences you were involved in back in university? Well, I'll be really frank and honest with you. Uh, my time at university was just mainly uh, having fun and uh, going to events and uh, enjoying my time. Uh, of course, I tried my best to focus on my studies, which was the civil engineering, as you mentioned. Uh, however, it was not really something that I am as uh, strongly uh, passionate or good at, to be honest. And uh, I I did graduate, of course, through it as an Egyptian and as an Arab in general. It's a must that you graduate as an engineer or a doctor, as you might guys already know. And uh, I had to go through the hassle of getting the degree. But however, uh, regardless, an engineering degree did help uh, with... Uh, giving me the mindset of a critical thinker and a problem solver. As I went through university, of course, I thought to myself, I am wasting some time here and there. But to be honest, the extracurricular activities and the people that I got to meet and the fun that I had is something that I will never think twice of like I lost time or I lost opportunity to get a better GPA or so. Of course, my GPA was a normal grade and it was not that fantastic, but I will, I don't regret it whatsoever, to be honest. And if I go back to my university days, I'll do it all over again. So that's a great way to put it. And you mentioned that you did a degree in civil engineering. And I think that problem solving capabilities is something which always stands out for engineering graduates. Mm-hmm. No, it is very true. It's very true because it it really sets your mind apart from uh, from other people because you really are capable of solving specific situations that other people might think of it as like, hey, I don't know how to go through this. But that doesn't mean that, for example, engineers are smarter. <laughs> 
And I'd also love to add one thing. It's the fact that I actually really like how you said that you had a lot of fun at university and you don't regret it just because of the fact that we're all sometimes we're very consumed by academics and by work, but we always forget the work-life balance. We forget that there is actually um, sort of a moderation to everything and anything that's not in moderation is bad for you. So I really liked that point. I actually think it's good advice. And in university as well, it's a time to grow and a time to not necessarily just grow professionally, but also just to have fun and make some memories. So it's really great that you were able to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So moving on to the next question. So we'd love if you could tell us specifically about the recruitment process that you had to go through. So sort of this this pretty big shift from civil engineering to marketing. So in the recruitment process, perhaps how you prepared for it and what made you specifically stand out from other candidates, even though you didn't necessarily have the marketing degree. I'll tell you one thing, it was not easy whatsoever to get out of that civil engineering world and into the marketing world. To put it in perspective as well, my parents were not supportive whatsoever. At some point, they actually did not know about it, really. Uh, I just did it and uh, I let them think that, hey, I'm doing engineering, yes, (laughs) whatever you want to believe. And whatever you want me to be, I will be, but I will be different. Uh, So I was all in on this alone. And uh, I had to start from scratch, of course, as you mentioned, other people uh, that already had a marketing degree were ahead of me by a lot, by three years, four years, you could say, yeah. I had to work my way around uh, internships. First, first internship, it was with Donut Media. And uh, it wasn't that great, uh, honestly. They, they did, of course, set me to uh, the marketing mindset and allowed me to understand what marketing is and fall in love with it. But uh, they were not always there to help me out. Uh, so I had to, like, you know, go through a rough patch with them. It was good. I got taught a lot, but still it wasn't enough for me to really get a hold of the marketing field. However, they did give me the chance to get into this uh, field. I started from there by really just like presenting myself very, very strongly in the interview. I tried my best to understand a lot of things from Google, YouTube, of course. Everything is on the internet nowadays, so it's just so easy to to get information and understand things, especially now with the chat GPT. Uh, and then uh, I was able to get a bigger... Um, role at a bigger uh, agency of course donut media is an agency as well uh, associate communications uh, there i actually got a hold of what the marketing field is all about however i understood then and there that agency is not something that i want to continue my uh, life in in general because agency really did limit my capabilities as a marketeer i'll uh, be frank with you if uh, you want to get into the marketing field as a whole it's always better, always better to get with a brand. Uh, you get to actually experience what it is to market something. To be honest with you, agency is not marketing. Uh, agency is literally uh, public relations, of course, as part of it. Communications, event handling, and uh, social media account management is part of it, but it's not the big picture. You'll realize that if you were to ever get into an agency and then go to a brand, you will really understand uh, that you were swimming in in a 50-meter pool and then you went to the ocean, you know what I mean? 
And uh, it was a great eye opener, of course, when I got into L'Oreal Armani. And uh, it's been a great experience so far, to be honest. That's wonderful. Uh, honestly, I think that it's, it is really difficult when if we start off from the beginning, like you said, when your parents want you to do one thing and your heart is telling you to do another. I think it can be difficult to pursue that, but it is really inspiring that you were able to take the path that you want and sort of build yourself from the ground up. So realizing that, okay, even though I don't have a marketing degree, this is what I'm passionate about. So I'm going to start off by doing any internship I can find and building my experience in that. I also really liked that piece of advice that you gave us. So the difference between agencies compared to actual brands and how the marketing itself is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think I just like to echo what Hada said that the the difference that you showed between what what's it like working with a brand and marketing for that brand versus just working with an agency which is working with multiple different companies is 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 two different sides of the marketing. Sam, <laughs> coming to your your work at L'Oreal. So can you take us through what a day looks like? Uh, well, it's uh, not as complicated as it might be. Um, you, of course, start off by reaching there at 9.30, 9.40. Maybe, maybe sometimes have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee at the beginning of the day. Um, depending on the meeting schedules in the day, it might go more like a Teams meeting, uh, a full Teams meeting where our money team is around 10 to 12 people. Uh, we sit around on the table, get to know what's going to happen, what's going uh, to come across as a launch, so on and so forth, and then really discuss uh, matters that are important in detail. Uh, you finish this meeting at around like 12. Uh, you might get to catch lunch if you have some time. And then my day really goes on at handling the website. So. Uh, as a marketing assistant, I, I support on the 360-degree marketing scope of Armani. Uh, that includes offline scope, uh, online scope, public relations, which is PR, um, the launch of a product, which is basically product management, and uh, overall uh, retail uh, management of each that handles Armani brand and sells the Armani brand for us. So what I basically am so focused on is the uh, management of the Armani website, currently launched in KSA and UAE. Uh, so my typical day would really so much include opening the website, uh, getting to know what's live, uh, wanting to check on the calendar, what have I set up in the month, what is my plan to go. Uh, of course, contacting the teams that I handle. So I basically handle four teams, the designers, the CRM team, the stakeholders team, which takes care of the back end of the website, and the agencies that take care of our social media advertisements. So from there, I go on to uh, whether, for example, we have a launch next week, I set the banners, I set the product listing, I set the social media advertisements, uh, the newsletters and SMS that will go out respectively, might need to get approvals for some of them. Um, so it really goes on like that. And in addition to, as I mentioned, I support on the full 360 degree marketing. So. I might get like tasks thrown at me left and right throughout the day. And, um, you know, and I have mainly, mainly, mainly also have fun of at least, at least half an hour every day with friends. As you know, AESers are filled uh, in L'Oreal and there is a lot of AESers at L'Oreal. We, I get to like, you know, just generally go over to their desk and just have 
uh, a fun conversation that will lighten the mood in my head so I can focus better throughout the day. I think that's that's a very interesting day. And you, I just love the, the way how you holistically describe all the things that you do. So thanks a lot for that. You're working on this omni-channel experience for Armani. So it's, it's a big thing that you're doing, obviously. And it's quite interesting. So as a marketing student myself, uh, understanding what kind of work you do is, is obviously really beneficial for me getting into, if I would like to get into something that you're doing. Uh, it's definitely something uh, you would like to consider because uh, it really gets uh, to teach you a lot. The reason why I left an agency to begin with, as I mentioned before, is that it limited my knowledge and experience in the marketing field. But now it, it really is an eye-opener to what you can do and what you're capable of uh, in regards to how creative you can be and how many people you can reach. Absolutely. Thank you. And so obviously you're talking about your role in the field of marketing specifically, but how does that look in an industry like luxury goods? So if we're comparing luxury goods, for example, to normal goods, how is it, how is it different? How is the marketing strategy different or how do you believe that your approach or your mindset is different? I'll try my best to answer that properly as I haven't really gotten into the field of anything other than luxury at the moment. But uh, from my own perspective, uh, selling luxury is selling a premium product not, that not everyone is capable of getting. So when you do so, you want to get the consumer to go through an experience. Um, through storytelling, letting them know that they're going to stand out from the crowd when they are handling that product in their hand, you know. Uh, and not just that, but luxury is uh, so much about being uh, niche and targeting a specific amount of consumers. You're not going to target the mass. How do you do that? Is by creating a tone of voice that resonates with them only. Um, not being promotional. You can't be promotional in the luxury world. Uh, you need to make sure that the consumer buying it knows you can be around uh, 200 people and you know you're the only one that has that. Um, as I mentioned, how do you get that? Through tone of voice, uh, through being a premium brand niche, not selling at a specific price point which is the most important part. Uh, price points is a very, very important part in the luxury world, and you can't go below specific threshold, regardless of how much sales you're going to lose, regardless of how uh, you're not going to, as I mentioned, not target the full mass. That's the idea. That's the main point of luxury. I think we talk about how important the consumers are in the marketing industry. And I think a lot of the luxury world is centered around them. So you're talking about how... Um, it's interesting how you said as it doesn't matter how many sales you lose, you can't go below a particular price point. I think that's really interesting because it's it's hard in, in the business world because it's a lot about profit and it's driven by profit. But luxury, it's different because it's a lot more about the sophistication and sort of the aura that you're creating around the brand. Luxury in general uh, is uh, something that doesn't have to be profitable, but has to make sure that it holds its uh space in the in the markets mm -hmm. yeah there is a reputation and it needs to uphold that 
And one more thing uh, that is very important about luxury and selling it is that you need to uh, make sure in your tone voice that you're not telling people uh, buy this and get that or avail this now, it's your last chance. It doesn't matter. I know how, like, I think arrogant it might sound from the brand itself, but you should always be like, take it. It's something you will want. But if you don't want to buy it, we don't care. That's, of course, you'd never want to showcase that properly uh, to the consumer base. But that's what luxury is all about. It's that uh, we have our value. If you know our value, you will buy us. Yeah, I think arrogant is, is a good way to describe it. And it's a lot about that storytelling and just keeping, as you said, not promotional at all. Just the complete opposite. Especially when you come to a brand like Armani, we were very subtle. I'm not sure if you've ever been targeted by the advertisements, but whenever you see any of them, you'll always find that the tone of voice we're trying to send out is that subtle. You, we can't use a lot of words that uh, other brands or regular brands uses. Even as as a side point, I'd like to mention that specifically in the beauty industry, even if you look throughout Instagram and throughout TikTok, I'm very rarely exposed to Giorgio Armani specifically. But there, I it, and it's almost it's almost vivid now that you say it because there is just this one person that I watch who is um, recruited by Armani to promote their products on on her TikTok and Instagram. And she has a completely different, I would say, personality to everyone else that I see normally mm -hmm. on my feed. She's very sophisticated. She's exactly. she exudes this level of class and elegance. Her voice, it's all there. When she's talking about a Giorgio Armani product, and mostly it's a foundation or something like that, it's all there. Exactly. Of course, this is part of PR, the influencers uh, team that we have, are all based on being elegant, regardless of, how much viewers or how much sales they can bring in. I think that the idea of storytelling is what is used uh, a lot. And it's, I think that's the whole base of the brand. Uh, the foundation of the brand runs on that story, which it, it uh, communicates with the customers. And it's, it's for that reason that the customer purchases that item from the brand, because mm -hmm. they feel that that story is so valuable that they need to have it as a part of their life. And of course, creating a story out of the specific fragrance or foundation or so is not easy. So it really is up to the, of course, the storytellers, the salesmen on ground uh, to be able to sell a product. For sure. It's, it's a combination of a lot of people's work put together that brings that brand or makes that brand stand out from the others, for sure. And considering that you move from civil engineering to marketing now, you went through the whole process of understanding marketing from the base uh, without having a professional or an actual education in it. What do you think are some of the, the most important skills that someone should build if they're interested to join or to work in the marketing field? Well, it, it's not about building, but it's more about what you actually want to do. Uh, I luckily was capable of, of getting something that I actually love to work on, which is uh, being creative, wanting to reach out to consumers, letting people know or see the end result that I create. I get to create and I get to place on billboards and uh, social media advertisements. And so this is something that I grew to love uh, more than what... 
I have gained throughout uh, my uh, experience in marketing. Of course, you do need to gain specific attributes and capabilities and knowledge throughout it. But when you love what you do, you'll not really focus on that, but you will focus on general just being stronger and stronger and really uh, contributing to it. Like at some point I was just sitting down and I was like, wow, I actually grew a lot. I, I didn't even see it happening, you know. Uh, and this is part of what you achieve or you can achieve when you love something. This is my own perspective, to be honest. Uh, of course, there are specific uh, capabilities and stuff that you can teach yourself. But it wasn't the case with me, really. Uh, however, if you want me to really answer the question, it um, has a lot to do of being able to problem solve on a day-to-day basis. That is my job at the moment. Uh, it's to solve problems that arise every single day. I might have a lot of issues with stock on hand uh, of uh, specific gifts that I am uh, giving out to consumers whenever they buy something. Uh, what am I going to do? I need to replace it with something. Okay, there is nothing to replace it with. What is the next step? Problem solving is m- most likely one of the main skill points that you need to build to be a great uh, marketeer in general. I think that's a great idea that you shared that problem solving is something which is very important and considering that marketing is pretty dynamic, you're not really working on the same thing for the entire year or for a long period, you're always working on something new because there's always a new strategy you need to implement to get to the consumer. And just that hurdles keep coming in and you need to get through those hurdles. Being innovative every day, thinking outside of the box. Because as you can see, social media content creators now are just copying each other, which really does decrease their engagement and reach in general. Being innovative and creative outside of the box lets allows you to really stand out. This is one of the things also that you will definitely need to pick up on as well as a marketeer. Uh, regardless of content creation, like uh, being able to send out and being disruptive with a specific item or launch uh, in the country, how can you do that? You need to be uh, innovative. You need to be creative. How how can you reach and let people talk about that specific product and let them be in awe? Like, what is this? Why are they doing it in that way? One great example I can definitely share is when, uh, when Burj Khalifa opened up in an AI video and they showcased a specific product uh, or Adidas when uh, Dubai Frame. They put Messi there when he won. And it was an AI video, but everyone thought it was actually real. It was very disruptive in the market. That's something that really stood out. Made Adidas uh, on top headlines for months. For sure. I think just having that creative edge and thinking out of the box, um, having new ideas is something which obviously comes with the kind of work you do in marketing. It's an interesting point that you mentioned just about the fact that they were able to use AI to their advantage. And we're going to get to AI in a little bit to use that to their advantage and to create something so disruptive in the market that they were in headlines. And and then at the end of the day, that probably made their product sell a lot more because you could just see the brand name everywhere. If you get the brand name out there, then it's just going to sell more. And so for someone who aspires to work at L'Oreal specifically, so could you share with us what the work culture looks like for you? So how are the people or what is the nature of that work? So what do the growth opportunities look like or how flexible are your timings, etc.? 
So to begin, um, the diversity in L'Oreal really makes you fall in love with it. Of course, it can be a little difficult if you uh, don't get to meet a lot of uh, different nationalities every day. You'll need to learn how to uh, adapt to the different nationalities in the workspace. Uh, but it's quite interesting for me. I love it. As Since we are in AUS, if you already know, uh, AUS is a very diverse cultural uh, university. So I already had a, an idea of how other cultures uh, interact. But it was even newer to me because of the French people, of course, and luxury. It, uh, it's filled with <laughs> French people. And uh, I, I honestly loved it, the way they speak, the way they interact. Uh, what's even more interesting is that French people tend to come late uh, to work and it's the norm. So like coming at 9 a.m. Is, is not like if you come at 9 a.m. Uh, the office is empty. It's fully empty. But then they end up coming at like 11 or 12. Uh, so for the growth opportunities, honestly, I, I believe uh, L'Oreal is uh, doing a great job at making sure their talents uh, land where they uh, need to be. They are I'm constantly seeing people around me that are uh, being promoted when they should be and uh, being allocated differently every two, three years. It's a great uh, initiative that the HR are constantly working on to make sure that their employers are going to stay and are going to be loyal to the company. And this is what actually happens. They constantly care about their employer. That can be strongly seen with the work flexibility uh, that they um, uh, allow. They allow you, for example, one week to work from wherever uh, around the world. Uh, they allow you to, to have a sick day without a notice. Uh, not without a notice as in uh, not letting them know, but without a notice as in a paper. Uh, they allow you to, of course, work from home two days a week and maybe sometimes more if you need it as uh, you might be incapable of coming into the office and uh, that is all right with them. It's, it's really, really a beautiful way of letting their employers be a little more free. Of course, I understand this happened more after Corona, but they took it to their advantage. And um, really, one thing you will love about L'Oreal if you get to experience it in the future is the work flexibility. You will not be able to go anywhere after. The work flexibility is on a whole other level. That's amazing. And I think it's a great thing that they're able to be this flexible because it makes people comfortable. But at the same time, it also enables them to be more diverse in their hiring pool. So even if there are certain people who are have disabilities, for example, who can't come into the office, if they have a strong remote functioning and good options for that, then they can still hire a really diverse group of talented people. Well, I think that that's great. And I think the idea of the organizational culture really flows. The idea is to keep the employees happy. Uh, and that's that's what will make them want to contribute to the success of the company. So that's that's something which is very important at any company that, that you aspire to work at. Yeah, and it really makes you want to stay more and you want to give more. Uh, really does impact it a lot. For sure. I think that that attitude of caring on both sides uh, is what makes the difference that as much as you your employer cares about you you also care about your employer and as we as we are nearing the end of this discussion coming to the, the topic of ai and how you think that it might affect marketing in general or for example the luxury field so what do you think uh, about ai have you have you seen its impacts yet uh, how do you think it will impact it in the future maybe if you can share some 
suggestions uh, on how students right now in this field, in the marketing field, should develop skills so that they are not replaced by AI, but or AI can be a supportive tool to them? Well, uh, in the manner of being replaced, to be honest, it's never going to happen specifically in marketing fields from, from my own perspective. Uh, AI cannot be as creative or as diverse or as interactive. Uh, so that's one. Two, uh, well, AI hasn't yet reached mainly everywhere, not just the marketing uh, field, but it's it's constantly growing in our world. And uh, uh, if there is anything that I've ever learned that I I'm, got to know that my parents did wrong was that they uh, did not evolve as the world grew. So whatever you see, not just AI, but whatever you see is growing in the world, you get you should get to know it specifically with its going to obviously impact your life uh, one way or another uh, work or daily interactions or uh, whatnot so uh, definitely AI is something you should take it on and you should uh, really be ahead of the game and uh, use it to your advantage even like uh, AI can be a great tool ChatGPT for example it can be a great tool to create your CV and uh, really make it sophisticated so you should obviously take it on use it as a powerful tool for yourself and even when you're in the work field, you can use it to your advantage for your daily day-to-day -day tasks and it can help you and it can make it much easier for you to get work done later on. But in the manner of AI impacting the marketing field, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen uh, when it comes to advertisements and promotion and sending out social uh, paid socials. Uh, it's definitely going to be a much smarter method that will be capable of reaching the right consumers at the right time uh, in order for them to convert and uh, buy things. Uh, it's definitely going to be a strong, strong tool, but I'm not yet sure. It hasn't reached us yet, basically. That's a very great perspective. And there's there's been this common sort of uh, idea that everybody we have interacted with so far has been telling us that it's a really powerful tool and it's a tool you can use to your advantage not something that will replace you which really talks about how ai is is something which is there to aid us uh, not something which we should be really scared of in in a way that would replace us it's just that you need to use that tool to help you become more effective and efficient it's a really interesting perspective just because there's also the other side of the spectrum that you see where people are very, very frightened of AI. And I think personally speaking as an English language and literature major, all of our professors are very, very, mostly actually very against chat GPT and these sorts of things just because they fear that it will replace the writing of people but then i really resonated with that point you said about how ai cannot be as creative as people are and while you can give chat gpt a prompt and it can write something for you it there is eventually this this way that it writes where and it's very limited and it's very specific and it cannot write or in your case, it cannot develop these ideas for marketing potential in the way that people can. You should always make sure to use the tools, not let them take over you, in other words. Yeah, 100%. And just to conclude the episode, um, I'd really appreciate it if you could share a quote with us, something that represents you and your experiences. It can be personal or professional. 
Well, uh, a quote, to be honest, I don't have a quote, but I have an, a thought and idea that I really uh, grew to love and I grew to believe in it very strongly that it is very true. And it's about marketing. So uh, basically, marketing is not about right or wrong. This is a thought that made me even go against my managers sometimes and against my superiors when they told me that it's not right and I think you should do this and that. Uh, really, I grew to um, understand marketing is not right and wrong. Marketing is all about reaching as many consumers as possible with the smartest way slash creative and slash innovative methods uh, really when you bring this all together uh, and you're capable of reaching the right consumers the right base of consumers that will allow you to uh, convert all of them maybe at some point that is marketing so um, marketing is just the thought of uh, making sure you reach the right people at the right time with the right way and not about right and wrong. It's never right and wrong. I think that's a wonderful thought. Generally, there is a fixation on what is right and what is wrong. But again, if you are able to reach the consumers, even in a way that is unconventional or in a way that is quote unquote wrong or just something that generally isn't done, then at the end of the day, you're still doing the job as you should be. So then technically it is right. So the lines between wrong and right are so blurred now in my own head as well. <laughs> something perceived as wrong, but if it does the task, then it's technically right. So yeah, it's a great thought. Really, but really. But that, that's where marketing comes in. You would never know what could have been better. You'll, you'll always ask yourself, what could have been better? You know what I mean? So when you said, for example, not using the conventional methods, remember when Adidas, I'm not pretty sure you've seen it, uh, it, it collabed with a very old restaurant that was about to close and instead of it closing, it actually boomed in, the, in Dubai or in UAE as a whole. That is a very unconventional way. It's very weird when you really think about it. But, but what happened? Adidas boomed as well in sales. So it, it, it wasn't the right way, but it really reached a lot of consumers' hearts and in the very proper manner, very correct way, in other words. I'll always think of there is no right and wrong, to be honest, regardless of the circumstance. That was a campaign which Adidas did, which really stood out because it was something that had never happened before. And it was with the restaurants so and nobody really expected that to to ever happen also i think it was a ravi restaurant if i if i remember that yeah, right ravi i think yes they even made yeah. a shoe a specific shoe launch about it that was quite unconventional quite so yeah thanks a lot uh Sam, for joining us obviously it was a great conversation with some really insightful learnings and just learning more about your experiences and how you have grown through them to shape into the person you are right now. So thanks a lot for joining us. I had a great time interacting with you and we hope you had a great time too. Thank you so much guys for having me, of course, again. Uh, it was an honor, to be honest, to get to speak about uh, marketing with you guys. And uh, I really hope you uh, uh, have gotten a better idea of what uh, you want to do in the future. 
course, you're welcome. And I think I have to say that even as someone who's not a marketing major, I've learned so much about marketing in general and the process. And honestly, I, even I feel a little bit interested in it now. <laughs> so it's actually really interesting. Yeah. And I think that even generally in marketing, there is it, it is quite a broad field. There is space for people who are more into the fields of content writing or public relations or social media. All of that can come under marketing as well. Exactly, mm-hmm. copywriting even as you mentioned. Uh, so it it mm-hmm. it, ha- it houses everything. It literally houses everything. Yeah. So everyone, the world is your oyster. Maybe you want to go into marketing. Um, <laughs> right ahead. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Muhammad Isam for being on today's episode and for your wonderful advice. And everyone, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or any suggestions for who you want on the next episode or what questions you'd like us to ask them. So until next time, bye everyone. Thank you and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.